I'd like to first begin this morning by offering my own condolences to all of you parishioners of St. Mary's Parish. As many of you know, this past week, our beloved former pastor, Father Charlie Height, died on Wednesday at the age of 90 years old. If you're relatively new to this parish, meaning the last 20 years, uh, Father Charlie served as the pastor before you arrived, and he was here from 1988 to 2003 for 15 years serving at this parish. And so I know that for so many, Father Charlie was an important part of your life. Uh, this parish, as you and I know it today, is in many ways the parish because of Father Charlie's love and labors that he poured forth uh, in these last uh, years, in his 15 years here with you. I know that for many of you, he baptized your children, maybe he baptized you, maybe he gave you your first Holy Communion or your children's first Holy Communion, uh, witnessed weddings, maybe he married you, did your wedding. Uh, but in all of that, in all of his ministry here, he was first and foremost someone you loved and someone who deeply loved all of you. He was a leader, he was your father, maybe a grandfather, but he was a friend. And I know how special uh, Father Charlie was to so many in this parish and beyond. Uh, tomorrow morning, right here at St. Mary's, we will be having Father Charlie's funeral mass at 10.30 a.m. Uh, Bishop Kagan will be here to be the main celebrant and many priests of the diocese here to celebrate. His visitation will take place this afternoon at Parkway Funeral Services in West Bismarck from 3 to 5 p.m., with a family vigil service that you're all invited to attend as well at 5 p.m. Again, that's later this afternoon at Parkway. And so I really do hope that, whether it's this evening or tomorrow morning at his funeral mass, that many of you are able to come. Uh, I think one of the best ways we can honor Father Charlie and thank him for his services here would be to have an overflowing church tomorrow. So let's fill the joint and let's be here to pray and to give thanks to God for a life so, so well lived. Uh, I know for me, and I know we all have our own personal stories of Father Charlie. Uh, in my early years as a priest, I didn't know him that much. I'd see him at different events, but I got him to know him a little bit more these last four years since I've arrived here at St. Mary's. And an early memory of Father Charlie once I arrived in 2018 um, as, as your new pastor uh, was in August. I had been here one month and Father Charlie came back to celebrate a funeral, or excuse me, a wedding, a wedding. Uh, he came back to celebrate a wedding of a former student of mine who happened to be his great nephew. So Father Charlie came for that. And before the uh, wedding began, we were standing in the back of the church visiting a little bit. And I knew that Father Charlie was here during so much of what has happened in terms of growth and expansion, not just in terms of the people, but also facilities. And I knew that he was here when the gathering space had been built. And I couldn't remember what year. And I was trying to put together my, my years of, of this parish. And I said, Father, what year did you build the gathering space? And he gave me this look. And it wasn't a very nice look. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, well, what year did you build the gathering space? He said, I didn't build it. I said, well, I know you didn't build it. There's contractors that do those things, but you're a pastor when it's built. I know that. He said, I didn't build it. I said, okay. Uh, so when was it built? He said, the Holy Spirit built it. I said, oh. 
Then he said, it was the Spirit of God in a Spirit-filled staff and a Spirit-filled parish with Spirit-filled parishioners that built this gathering space. I got it. But I couldn't help myself, so I said back, okay, you still haven't answered the question. So what year did the Holy Spirit build the gathering space? <laughs> and he still didn't tell me. <laughs> if you're wondering, it was 2003, okay? I'll at least let you know, it was 2003. But I share that story with you, whether you knew Father Charlie or not, because I think it really does speak well into the kind of heart and person he was. That he wanted to give all glory and praise, first and foremost, to Almighty God. That he saw his work as a priest, he saw his ministry as a priest, he saw his friendship with you as the work of the Spirit through him. As the work of God through him. And whatever he did, and whatever he did here, he knew that it was the work of God. What an incredible perspective to have. You know, I thought it was interesting that this first reading today, as I've been thinking a little bit about Father Charlie's life, there's this phrase that I couldn't get out of my head, so I need to share it with you. It's from the first reading prophet Isaiah. This is what Isaiah says to the people of God through God. God says, see, I'm doing something new. Do you ever think about that? I'm doing something new. I think what Father Charlie oftentimes knew is that God is always wanting to do new things in us. That God is always wanting to do new things in the life of the church, in the life of disciples, in the life of his people, in all areas of this world, God is always wanting to do something new. And if you're around Father Charlie for just a couple minutes, you had this sense of urgency that God is doing something new. It was true in 1988 when he arrived, and it was true throughout his time, and it's true today that God is always wanting to do something new in us. Do you believe that? Do we have this conviction deep in our hearts that for me, right now, at this point in my life, at this moment in history, God is wanting to do something new for me? Now, if you're wondering what this looks like, I can't think of a better example than the gospel you just heard proclaimed. This woman caught in the very act of adultery. What did Jesus do for her? I hope you're saying something new. God did something new for her. Now, there's all kinds of things we could say about the Pharisees. We could have a whole other homily on what they're doing, spying on her. That's a homily for a different day. But what we do know about the Pharisees is how Jesus treated this accusation against this woman. What did Jesus do with this accusation? He actually ignored it. If you're wondering why he bent down on the ground to write in the dirt with his finger, is his way of saying, I'm not listening to the noise. All this chatter over here from you Pharisees, I'm not listening to it. So he doesn't. He doesn't engage, he doesn't indulge. But he turns to the woman, the one for whom he does something new. And he interacts with her. And in many ways, everyone, what we see playing out between Jesus and this woman is you could say her own misery is coming into contact 
with mercy itself. That her own misery, her own sinfulness, her own slavery to sin, let's call it misery, was coming into contact with Jesus who is mercy incarnate. And what happens when mercy comes into contact with misery? Freedom, newness, freshness. See, I am doing something new. Now we hear that and we say, good for her. But what about me? Okay. If we're sitting there saying right now, I wish God would do something new for me. Good. That's the start. Expectant faith that God can do something new in us. You know, how often for us does our life of faith just get a little stuffy, a little stagnant, a little inward looking? And Jesus says, I am doing something new. I'm doing something new. What I want to offer this weekend at all the masses, everyone, in light of everything I just said, is a little bit of perspective, I hope, for how this newness can take place within us. This new stuff that Jesus wants to do for us. How mercy can meet misery in us. The place that happens, everyone, for us as Catholics, I hope you know where that is. I hope we know the place where we know that misery meets mercy, where Jesus' mercy meets our misery. The place where that happens for us, of course, is where? Is the sacrament of confession, one of the great treasures of the church, that Jesus gave the sacrament to us as a gift so that we don't have to wonder how do new things happen We have a place to go for new things to happen so that the stuffiness and the stagnancy that is often in our hearts can be busted open and God can pour in all kinds of newness for us and in us. What I want to propose here is I oftentimes get the sense and hear this rightly that oftentimes for many of us here at this parish we've been away from the sacrament of confession for far too long. Far too long. And it's time for us to come back. And it's time for us to come home. And it's time for us to allow our own misery and sin come into contact with Jesus' mercy. You know, if you're wondering how long's too long to be away from the sacrament, the church is clear that every baptized Catholic, or every Catholic, I should say, every Catholic beyond the age of seven, is to make a confession at least once per year. That would be in the catechism. At least once per year. But like you, I know that life happens. And we need to go a bit more often than that. But on a very minimum level, everyone, the expectation for us as Catholics is once per year. So that this, mis- this mercy that we're looking for this mercy that we need, this newness that we want can come into contact where we need it to happen. I'm going to close with this image in light of, uh, again, this past week and Father Charlie. I think at the end of time, or maybe even at the end of our lives, we have to render an account, don't we? We have to render an account of what God has entrusted to us. 
This past Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. when Father Charlie breathed his last breath on this earth, he had to render an account to God for what he had been entrusted during his priestly ministry and throughout his life of discipleship. He had to, and so do we. That is just a fact. That is just reality. And as we think about rendering an account of our lives, I oftentimes think of things in two images. On one side are those who say, I'm just fine. I don't need mercy. I don't need forgiveness. I don't need any of this. I'm just fine. And then the other side, for those of us who say, Lord, please have mercy on me. Lord, I repent. Lord, I'm sorry. Which one are we? Are we the ones who stand before Jesus and say, I'm fine? Or I know in my own life I'm going to have to stand before him and say, Lord, please have mercy on where I've failed you. Lord, have mercy. And we don't have to just wait for that day, everyone. We can do that now. We can stand before God now and say, please, Lord, have mercy. This weekend in the bulletin, we provide for you a helpful blue sheet that I want to draw your attention to. It has all the confession times for the five parishes in the city of Bismarck from now until Easter Sunday, two weeks from this morning. Hopefully it's not snowing that day, right? But what we offer here are all the different confession times of the different parishes. Over the last couple of years, the pastors of the city of Bismarck have agreed to kind of transition away from penance services for the purpose and intention of us offering more confessions at our parishes throughout the week, throughout the day, that throughout uh, the last number of years, there have not been confessions as available as they have been. And so confessions are available every single day in this city quite uh, frequently. And so I do want to draw your attention to that. I really hope, everyone, that in these next two weeks, before the great celebration of our Lord's resurrection at Easter, we might allow our own misery to meet Jesus' mercy. Because when that happens, watch out. He is going to do something new in you.